ECDC On Air. The podcast of the European Centre for Disease Prevention and Control. Keeping up to date with European epidemiology. Hello, welcome and thanks for tuning in to the European Centre for Disease Prevention and Control audio series, ECDC On Air. I'm your host, Lee, recording from my headquarters in Stockholm, Sweden. This past year through the pandemic, you might have heard of ECDC being mentioned here and there, but you may be unfamiliar with what actually goes on here in Stockholm when we're not talking about the COVID-19 pandemic. As an EU agency, ECDC aims to strengthen Europe's defences against infectious diseases. We cover a wide range of subjects including surveillance, preparedness, epidemic intelligence and response measures. We provide scientific advice, give public health training and raise awareness through our disease programmes. Put simply, we do quite a lot. In celebration of World Field Epidemiology on September 7th, we sat down and spoke with Adam Roth, Head of Fellowship Programs here at ECDC, for today's episode. World Field Epidemiology Day itself is organised by the Training Programs in Epidemiology and Public Health Interventions Network, much more easily referred to as TEFINET. The day aims to raise awareness of the vital role that field epidemiologists play in protecting the health of populations and global health security in general. While we will let Adam go into detail of what field epidemiology actually is, before doing so we wanted to shed a little light on the date itself, 7th of September. On the 31st of August 1854, a major outbreak of cholera occurred in Soho, London. At the time it was believed that cholera spread through the air, not water, and what we now know as germ theory had not yet been established, and wouldn't be until 1861. Local physician John Snow identified a large number of infections around a water pump near Broad Street. After mapping the incidence of cholera geographically, Snow was able to show how cases of cholera occurred around the aforementioned water pump. Snow took his findings to the local parish officials and the handle of the water pump was later removed. There are many interesting details to this story which cannot be covered here, but the day Snow took his findings to the local officials, 7th September, is the day we celebrate the work of field epidemiologists worldwide. So we're here sitting with Adam Roth, Head of Fellowship Programs here at ECDC. Adam, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. So we're going to be talking about World Field Epidemiology Day and field epidemiology in and of itself. Uh, So to begin with, what is field epidemiology? So field epidemiology is about uh, communicable diseases, first of all, and it's also um, close to action and it needs to have a public health relevance, really. and. One of the main components of uh, field epidemiology is dealing with public health events such as outbreaks. And also uh, another really important component is uh, surveillance, which is data for action. Okay, so why do we need a special day such as September 7th to highlight this? I think it's been clear now uh, that this is such an important field and uh, it's, it's important for the public health and for saving lives of people. And I think therefore we need to showcase this field in order for us to uh, come to, to draw resources to it and also to make it grow and, and contribute as much as, as it can. And I think therefore it, it sometimes is, if it may have been neglected before, it should not be. And it should be really clear from this latest pandemic and from other pandemics how central field epidemiologists uh, are to both preparedness and to uh, to response against pandemics. And it's not only COVID, it's uh, SARS, it's H1N1 and uh, yeah, other previous outbreaks like Ebola and so on. 
Okay, one of the things that uh, we hear a lot in public health are a lot of acronyms and organizations. So one of those is TEFANET. What is TEFANET? So TEFANET is uh, the global network of field epidemiology programs. And the main work of uh, TEFANET is to build a workforce uh, that will protect uh, then people against public health events. And I think this is uh, really important because what, what we're actually doing is we're getting people in these different field epidemiology training programs to speak to each other so that we actually can react to uh, public health events better. Furthermore, also, it works with uh, raising standards and setting standards, so to raise quality within uh, FETPs or field epidemiology programs in the world. Okay, perfect. So before we get into to programs that you're talking about there, I, I want to talk a little bit about what field epidemiology is uh, sort of more concretely, because it's something that, as you said, is we need to hear more about, we need to understand more in, in terms of public health. Do you consider it more of a preventative side of public health or as being disease detectives that have uh, an investigative role after an outbreak has occurred? Which side is, does it fall on more, would you say? I would say both, really. It's, it's a broad area and it works definitely on, on prevention and definitely also with response. We, we call it the EPIET, so this is intervention epidemiology. So it's very much about that. It should, should uh, work with uh, making a change or making a difference. Could you give us some examples of both the preventative side of um, field epidemiology and something that's happened after uh, an outbreak has occurred? Well, so, I mean, working with surveillance of data, making, showing when uh, an outbreak will come or showing, uh, just working with surveillance of data, this is in itself a preventive measure to create data that you can act upon when needed. Mm -hmm. And uh, of course, also working with vaccination programs raising immunity and populations really an important uh, preventive side mm -hmm. and then of course you have the, the disease detectives there, there i kind of lean more towards than what is really at the core also feel that the really the finding outbreaks and uh, contact tracing etc well, we've previously spoken with uh, Tom Amole on epidemic intelligence specifically uh, and how that has changed with technical advances such as the internet. How has field epidemiology changed more generally with the availability of modern technology? So I think there's, this has been going on the whole time and it is important to say rapidly changing as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, one of the big things I would say is registers where you have many Nordic countries have been able to link registers to create new kinds of data. And now then lots of open source resources are coming in and big data that can now be used to, to enhance surveillance and uh, also for control of diseases, identifying more vulnerable groups for this, for instance. And then I think also important is uh, genomics and whole genome sequencing, that this has become more uh, readily available and you can identify clusters of disease more easily. And, uh, and a completely different aspect, but also important for field epi, is the readily available uh, mobile tools so that you can do better uh, mapping through GPS uh, has really been important and also to collect data in, a, in an accurate and easy way. What has changed uh, in the COVID-19 pandemic? What impact has that had on field epidemiology? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think it's actually a bit early to answer that completely. I think we're going to still see, it's yet to see what impact COVID is going to have on, on the field, but I think it's going to have a lot. First of all, I think it, it highlights the importance of public health and, and field epidemiology. Also, it really shows the need for skilled epidemiologists. Now, I think one of the real big changes has been the huge amount of data and the need to 
deal with preprints, for instance, that, and that preprints give, give both a challenge and, and, and an opportunity to get data out early. And uh, this is not new in a sense that you have to communicate and act upon not uh, on unlimited evidence. This is part of uh, field epidemiology, but it's really been accelerated uh, through this, uh, this crisis. And also dealing with the, the massive amount of data coming in, the, the infodemic, really, how to, how to deal with this. And uh, I'm also, uh, I think we, we need to mention the real rapid development of vaccines. This has really put challenges to the field epidemiologists in terms of how you, you have to very quickly set up uh, vaccination policy and you have to uh, roll out mass vaccination campaigns and establish ways of following up both adverse events and, and effectiveness and to deal with uh, vaccine hesitancy in a way that you, in, in a large way that you haven't done before. So what impact has uh, COVID the COVID-19 pandemic had on field epidemiology in terms of the public health measures and physical distancing? Has that made the work more difficult? Yes and no, in a sense, because I think, uh, first of all, these have been temporary measures and also field epidemiologists are considered the frontline uh, workers. So often they have been allowed to go to work and carry through their work. And with the help of technology, you could also continue doing contact tracing and you could do uh, uh, surveillance uh, despite uh, these, uh, the, the physical distancing that has been on, ongoing. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned contact tracing there. Um, this has become quite a familiar term to the general public now. How much of the work in field epidemiology relies on the speed of this and the ability to find contacts as soon as possible? Well, I mean, here in, uh, it would depend on the disease, uh, but in COVID, it's been really clear that it's really central and important that it's done and it's uh, done quickly and it can really make a difference. Although in many cases, once it becomes a hugely amount of cases, it may also be difficult to keep up. Okay, so I want to move on to uh, EPIET and UFEM, which are the fellowship programs that, uh, that you work with. Uh, so as we mentioned, you're the, the head of the fellowship programs here at ECDC. Can you tell us more about your specific work here? Yeah, I, I think it's a fascinating role. And it's, uh, it's like being a, a spider in a quite big and complicated web with lots of uh, people and stakeholders involved in this. So basically, we're running and enrolling uh, and, and recruiting fellows each year to these programs. And it's around 30 to 40 fellows uh, each year. And then we run them in parallel so that you have around 60 to 70 fellows uh, working each year. And, and much of the work is about, uh, of course, driving the field and uh, seeing what is important to, to develop in order for, to make the program most relevant for the fellows but also, of course, to the, the member states, mm -hmm. because it's about working together with the member states and the training sites where the fellows are positioned. So uh, I would say a lot of the work is to communicate well with the training sites and to hear their needs and, and discuss where do we make the biggest difference in this, uh, in this program. So what kind of things are the fellows trained in specifically? Are they doctors before they get there or who are they? Well, it, it's a broad range of specialities uh, that, that can uh, be attracted to the fellowship. Doctors is one of them, uh, or other public health experts, and uh, with other trainings in, in, in the medical or other fields before that. 
It can be veterinarians and uh, it can be uh, even data specialists or uh, statisticians, etc. So this, they, they, the common focus will then be that they are important to the, the training institutions in, in their specific field. We mentioned uh, EPIET and UFEM uh, as two paths uh, of the two-year program uh, that we offer. When did they start and, and how did they become something that ECDC works with? So EPIET started in 1995, which is uh, long before ECDC started. But it was very natural, of course, uh, for EPIET to end up with ECDC as uh, field epidemiology and intervention epidemiology is at the core of what ECDC does. The UFEM started in 2008, and uh, the, the focus of EPIET is uh, to build field epidemiologists and intervention epidemiologists, and the focus of uh, UFEM is to build uh, public health microbiologists. So it's two different careers, basically, but that then can communicate really well. The biggest difference in terms of what they go through in the programs is where they are located. Otherwise, most of the training is the same. So public health microbiologists, they are based uh, primarily in a public health lab, whilst the epiet, uh, epidemiologists are primarily based in surveillance uh, units at public health institutes. Could you explain a little bit more about what a public health microbiologist is? So it's somebody working uh, from a lab with, with a lab as their platform. Mm -hmm. And uh, then you would build the bridge into public health from this lab and into epidemiology using public health data and testing cases, etc., in order to help build surveillance and also support in outbreak investigations, etc. I think it's been more de well demonstrated than ever before in COVID how really uh, intense this collaboration needs to be between surveillance and uh, laboratories. Excellent. So what do the fellows do after they've finished their training? Most of the fellows would end up in public health institutes uh, in Europe, mm -hmm. um, of course, also in other uh, parts of the world, but mainly in Europe. Some would end up in international institutions. And uh, some would also end up in industry, to, to mention the most common ones, I think. But prim primarily, they would end up working with uh, surveillance uh, and uh, developing uh, surveillance and epidemiology in the public health institutions of Europe. So how many of the fellows that we've had here at ECDC, or working with ECDC, I should say, how many of them do you know uh, have been working on COVID-19 related issues specifically? Well, for those enrolled, I know that all have been involved in some way. That, that's been part of their work now that they've been uh, at the public health institutes. And then for those that, that have graduated before, uh, I do not have numbers on, on that, but I am aware of many, of course, that have been enrolled in some way and some in very prominent positions in the international institutes or public health institutes in, in decision-making positions. Was there a very clear distinction before COVID and after COVID about what the field epidemiologists were, were working on? Could you see it change very dramatically or did it take a little bit of time before more and more of them were working on COVID-19 related issues? I think there's been a gradual uh, flow in of uh, epidemiologists into the COVID work. Quite rapid in the beginning, but I th th still think that uh, public health institutes are rec recruiting epidemiologists to get them to work on this. It's a massive amount of work that has been taken up. Okay, can you give us some examples of the case studies or investigations that previous fellows have participated in? Yeah, so in general, you could say that fellows have been co working on 
hundreds of outbreaks of important outbreak of, of outbreaks of public health importance such as measles outbreaks and uh, foodborne outbreaks e coli or salmonella or so they've also been um, enrolled a lot in vaccine effectiveness studies and other types of vaccine studies and uh, they participated in many uh, big humanitarian crises such uh, as the ebola and the earthquake in uh, haiti and also working in the refugee camps in europe They've also, I would say, coordinated some multi-country outbreak investigations. Do fellows take part in missions in the field only after they've finished training or the whole time they're, they're just in the field and that's all that they're doing? Well, it's really learning through service. I mean, that's one really central aspect of the EPIET and UFEM programs. You should learn through service. So they should be as much in action as possible when they are in the program. They are already professionals that are very competent when they start the program as such. And they would not only enroll in outbreaks and uh, surveillance uh, projects, etc. in uh, Europe, but they could also deploy to other countries and internationally during their fellowship. So I would say definitely it starts during their fellowship, but then it's also a springboard for them to go into many uh, interesting projects afterwards. Fantastic. So if someone was interested in, in taking part in one of these fellowships, how would they find more information about it? So they could go into the ECDC homepage and there, there they have loads of information around how to apply for this and what it's about and reading uh, previous fellows' stories on what they've been doing and the projects they've done. So I think that's a good way. And, and I think they should contact previous fellows and hear them out. I think that's often the best way. Perfect. Well, thank you very much for your time today, Adam. Uh, we do really appreciate it and uh, I hope to hear more from you in the future. Thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed hearing more about field epidemiology. If you are interested in learning more about the EPIET and UFEM programs or TEFINET, you can find the links in the notes of this episode. For more information on ECDC, please visit ecdc.europa.eu or follow us on social media for the latest news.